0: Good morning, everyone. Today is Sunday, the 22nd of March, 2020, and it is quite an extraordinary Sunday. We are not meeting here together in the building of Eden Grove. That's where I am, but I suspect you're at home or somewhere else listening to this. It's good for you to tune in. I'm glad you have done that, and I pray indeed over these next weeks you will continue to tune in and to listen to what it is that we're producing for you here on a Sunday. My goal over these weeks is simply just to encourage you, to show you Jesus, to lift your eyes to him in the middle of what is a dark time for us as a people and as a land and indeed as a world. These are troubled and difficult days, and so it is essential that you continue to come and to listen to the word of God and to hear him speak into your life words of eternal life. Friends, I hope that we will do that here at Eden Grove, even though we can't be together face to face. And may God speed the day that you and I will be back in this place, meeting regularly together once again. Today's service will be a little bit shorter. We won't have any music today. Obviously, there's no children that come up to the front here this morning, but I do hope that it is a blessing and a benefit to you. A few announcements to make before we begin. And that, firstly, is to say that uh, please pay attention to our website, edengrove.org, and we're on various social media platforms, on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Those are going to be regularly updated in a way that we've probably not done before. So tune into those, uh, enjoy what has been put up there for your edification. There's a ton of sermons already up on edengrove.org, and there's lots more to come. My podcast, This We Confess, will continue It'll probably be more episodes than usual. Usually there's one a week, probably now, with more time. There's going to be two or three a week as we work our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. All of that is there for you to be encouraged and built up in your faith. And really, there's no excuse, even though you're sitting at home, there's no excuse for you to be underfed spiritually. Also, this week, uh, you will discover on our website and also on the website of Lasara Presbyterian, Uh, A little joint work that we are doing over this time of coronavirus. Queen the Reverend Alan Burke and I, uh, we have produced this document, which we hope will be a a blessing and a benefit to you. Just work through it each day with your family. And then by the grace of God, next Sunday, uh, I will preach on a passage that you've been looking at. And Alan Burke will preach on a passage that you've been looking at. And you will have two Sunday sermons uh, for your benefit, uh, for you and your family to listen to next lord's day also as a church we're trying to build a whatsapp group and this is to try and keep in touch with one another and to pass on prayer points and words of encouragement to one another it would be tremendous if you wanted to be part of that as we seek to keep in touch even though we are at a distance and also although we're not going to meet physically on wednesday night i'm calling a prayer meeting this wednesday night and every wednesday night Every week from now until the end of this pandemic, we are having our pandemic time of prayer. We're going to meet in our own homes at half past seven, just for half an hour. Prayer points will be given to you, and it would be wonderful if you would take that time and make that time just to stop for half an hour and to raise your voice in prayer, knowing that your brothers and sisters from around about the church are doing exactly the same thing. That's this Wednesday, half past seven. And you'll find more information on all of the websites and everything else that I've just told you about. And finally, if you or someone you know needs any help, if you need groceries brought in or perhaps your medicine picked up, then please let me know and we will do our very best as a church family to ensure that you don't worry and don't go without over this time of isolation. But folks, those are all the announcements. And this morning, as we begin, we look to Psalm 46 as our call to worship. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let us pray. Father, as we bow before you this morning, we are so unsettled. In fact, Lord, we feel absolutely afraid. Nothing like this has ever happened before in our lifetime. We've never seen days like this before. Lord God, as we have watched everything unfold over these past few days and weeks, that we have, we have watched with wide eyes. And Lord, simply put, today we are afraid. It's been a long time since we've been children, but Father, today we feel like children. We watch the news and and we see everything unfolding and Lord we are terrified. We have 101 questions and nobody seems to have any answer. And Father although we've been trying to put on a brave face this week you know Lord you know our hearts. They're filled with worry. Fear and trepidation. We haven't been sleeping too much, and Lord God, you know those moments that we have just simply broken down and cried. Nobody else has seen that, but Lord, you have seen that. We're afraid. This is utterly strange and completely terrifying. And yet, Lord, as we meet together, separated by miles and streets and houses, Lord, as we meet together this morning, we acknowledge the truth of your word. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Father, we thank you for these words. And although, Lord God, we're struggling to believe them at the moment, Although we have prayed, therefore will not we fear with fearful hearts? Lord, we thank you that Psalm 46 is as true today as when it first touched a page. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, and therefore we will not Lord God, today we are not together, but we are your covenant people. And we raise our voices together today, praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Amen. This morning I want to preach from Revelation chapter 1, and that's where we're going to turn to now. And as you are listening uh, to these services every week, I would urge you to bring your Bible to the living room, to the bedroom, to the garden, wherever it is you're listening to this. Bring your Bible, read it along with me, uh, and follow along as this passage is preached. This is Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 to 20. This is the Word of God. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Amen. And we praise God for his word. What do you say on Sundays like this? What do you say at the end of weeks like this one? Weeks where our churches and our society has essentially been shut down, not by any invading force, not out of persecution, not by an overzealous government. We have been shut down because a virus is running rampant throughout this land, throughout this world, and our Prime Minister with wisdom has told us that we need to take this seriously, we need to stop meeting together, we need to self-isolate. What do you say? If I have heard the word unprecedented this week, A hundred times, I'm sure I am not exaggerating. I'm sure I've used it myself. These are unprecedented times. And when it comes to unprecedented times, what do you say? Well, when it comes to a day like this one, a day that I am preaching a sermon in front of an empty church, if anybody walked in here now, they would think I'd lost my mind. Here I am preaching a sermon to an empty church, trusting that my members of this church are listening to it at home in the comfort of their own homes. Here I am preaching this sermon, and what am I going to say? I'm going to preach Christ. I'm going to preach Christ and Him crucified. That's what I'm going to do. That's the only answer I've got at the end of a week like this one. It's all I've got to say at any time of the year, and especially this time, Today I will preach Christ, and I will preach Christ crucified, raised, and exalted and glorified, because that is how we meet him here in the book of Revelation. As Revelation begins, John writes as a prisoner of Patmos, a a man who did not have his own freedom. This week we are not in chains, you and I are not sitting at home, uh, unable to go out of the house because the, the police are outside, but John is in chains. On the island of Patmos, he is in chains. He has not got his freedom. He is not able to go where he wants to go. We understand this week more than ever before in our lives what that must have been like. And John refers to himself as a partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Here is this prisoner in Patmos whose words inspired by God himself still speak to us today. the 22nd of march 2020 we are a people in chains a people whose liberty has been curtailed this week a people whose comfort has been shaken and a people who do not know which way to turn friends i decided to preach this passage this morning because it is incredibly relevant i think for the day and age that we are in See, as Christians in the West, we are not used to tribulation. And I know we all like to get ourselves worked up at times. We all like to say, oh, persecution's coming. It's just around the corner. But largely in the West, we in these past days and past years have not experienced what is the reality for most of Christianity throughout this world. And here this week, a pandemic has arrived. And you and I are getting a little taste of trouble. It was always supposed to be this way. The Lord Jesus Christ made it very, very clear, in this world you will have trouble. In this world there will be difficulties. The Christian life was never meant to be this, this easy road, this easy ride. The Christian will have trouble. The tribulation is the time between Christ's ascent up into heaven and his second coming. And John writes here as our brother and partner in these days of tribulation. These are days of trouble. Here in Northern Ireland and throughout this world days of trouble the like of which we have not seen in generations. And yet God's word speaks. John writes as our brother in these days of trouble. His troubles were different from ours but he knew trouble nevertheless. He is part of of the brotherhood, the fellowship of Christ, he is patiently waiting on Christ's return. And on this day that he writes this letter, well, he was in the Spirit. This vision, this apocalypse, this unveiling is given to him by God, the Holy Spirit. And he is told, as a loud voice behind him speaks like a trumpet in verse 11, he is told, John, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus. The Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, of course, there were more churches in the world at that time, and there are certainly more churches than seven here today. There are more than... Seven churches in this very town of Battle Hinch. We have a church on every street corner. But, but here we see a, a, an apocalyptic book, the apocalyptic genre of literature where, where numbers mean something. Pictures and colors and sights and smells, they all mean something. And the number seven is the perfect number. You and I might go on a cruise this summer. Probably not, but let's just dream for a wee second or so. Let's dream that the airports are still open and the the boats are still sailing. Imagine you and me, we're on a cruise and and we go to the Mediterranean and we do a wee bit of the Atlantic and, and maybe somewhere we slip into another wee ocean that remains nameless. We might come home and say how wonderful it was and we might say, oh, I've sailed the seven seas. Now, we haven't sailed the seven seas. There are far more than seven seas. But what we just mean is that, oh, I've been everywhere. I've seen it all. Of course we haven't. But when we read the book of Revelation and when we see the number seven, well it speaks of completeness, perfection. And so here this vision, this apocalypse is given to John not just for Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, not just to these seven churches but to the church of Jesus Christ in that age and in this age and in the age to come. This is a word For the bride of Christ, the bride who will know trouble, the bride who will experience difficulty, the bride who will have to face pandemics, the bride who will be persecuted, the bride who will be put in prison, this letter, this apocalypse is for the struggling church. And as I look out this morning at all the little empty seats, we are struggling. We are divided by a pandemic. We are divided by something that none of us, a few months ago, would ever have dreamt of. It's March, the middle of March. We're thinking about Easter. We're planning a a, a trip up to Portrush. We're hoping that they haven't sold Barry's and it might open up for our first visit to Barry's this year. That's what we should be thinking about. And instead, we're sitting in the house and we're listening to sermons preached at a location that we won't be to for quite some time, this is a letter to the church who is struggling with worry and fear. What do we say into this world? How do we stand for Christ in these days? How do we maintain our our spiritual fervor? How do we uh, encourage ourselves in the faith when we can't meet with our brothers and sisters? These are days of difficulty. What do we do if the phone rings and my granny's got coronavirus? What do we do if the phone rings and and I've just been sacked from my job? What do we do in days such as this one? My brothers and sisters, I think we do what John did. John turns to see the voice that was speaking to him. And in turning, John sees seven golden lampstands. We will see in a wee minute or two what the golden lampstands were all about. Jesus will tell us himself and explain the seven lampstands. But just now, let's gaze upon Jesus. Because as John looks and sees the seven golden lampstands, he also sees one in the midst of the lampstands. Verse 13, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head, were are told, were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many water. John turns to see the voice. He sees these lampstands and he sees one like the Son of Man walking in the midst of the lampstands. And this is not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This is the glorified and exalted Jesus Christ our Lord. We immediately recognize him, don't we, with that phrase, the Son of Man. It's it's how Jesus often referred to himself in the Gospels. He was the Son of Man, and we, we lift that directly from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is Jesus. He is the Son of Man. It is Jesus that we see presented to the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7. It is this very same Son of Man who who receives this kingdom. It is Christ. It is Christ in Daniel 7, and it is Christ in Revelation 1. John turns to see the voice. He sees the lampstands, and in the middle of the lampstands, he sees Jesus. What have we to say in this world today? What have we to say here and now as, as everybody and their granny panics about coronavirus? And I'm not belittling coronavirus. This has been a week for me, too, that I have I have worried. Big, strong Scott Woodburn that can do anything. My daughters used to say, oh, Daddy can fix it, Daddy can fix it, Daddy fix it. I can't fix corona. I don't know what to do about this virus other than wash my hands and sing happy birthday for the next 20 minutes. I'm not belittling the coronavirus. But today I cannot preach to you solutions to it. Today I do not know what the cure will be for it. Today I do not know when our self-isolation will be over. But today I know Jesus. Today I preach to an empty church. Never thought I would do that, but today I preach to an empty church and I I preach Christ and Him crucified. Today I preach to an empty church and I... I hopefully preach the exact same thing that I would preach if there were 6,000 people jammed in here somehow. I preach Christ. What is our answer to corona? What is our answer to sin and death and famine and war and all those things that blight this society? What is our answer to these days of tribulation? It is still Jesus. It is the crucified and risen and ascended and exalted Jesus. There is our answer. There is this morning where we our confidence and our hope and our renewed vigor for dark and troubled days there is our focus it is christ it is the christ who who was humiliated and who suffered death on a cross a wicked and cruel death and who lay for three days in a tomb it is christ that we preach in answer to corona and this same jesus in that tomb is there no longer in the face of a virus that can cause death, in face of of times of worry where we are concerned about our loved ones, especially those who are vulnerable, and, and we so desperately do not want them to get sick and die. Today, what do we say in the midst of that fear? We preach Christ. We preach the one who has died but is alive forevermore. We preach Jesus. And as John turns to see this voice, He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus clothed with a long robe, with with a golden sash around his chest. We see Jesus here in this passage dressed as our great high priest. He is the one who has satisfied God's justice. He is the one who has reconciled us to God. He is the one who makes continual intercession for us. But he is the one who after he made his sacrifice sat down. He needs no further sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world, and it is mission accomplished. Jesus is our great high priest. And John sees him, in verse 13, clothed with that robe and with that golden sash around his chest. And we remember Exodus 28, and verse 4. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, Excuse me, A robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, to serve me as priests, says the Lord in his word. Just as Aaron and his sons were to serve as priests, so today we worship the one true our great high priest, Christ Jesus, who, who is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, as we read in the book of Hebrews. What is it we preach today in days of tribulation? We preach Christ. Jesus today is not unable to sympathize with our weakness. Jesus today is not a savior who is far away, curing, washing his hands of this sinful world. Today we worship at a distance, but we worship our great high priest, Jesus. John sees Christ, not crucified, not hanging on a cross that maybe we see somewhere in this land of ours. No, not anymore. John looks and sees the crucified, risen, and exalted Christ, dressed as our great high priest who is for us. And this Jesus has hers on his head, white like wool, as white as snow, full of age and and wisdom and dignity, and this is the eternal Christ. You and I have been searching for answers no doubt over these past few days and, and we've been looking for answers and desperately seeking these answers and asking questions that nobody seems to be able to answer and here john looks to see the voice that he hears he sees christ the great high priest with hairs on his head white liquid full of wisdom and knowledge the lord is not surprised by Corona. The Lord is not unable to speak into our weakness and to speak to the questions that, that we do not know where we will find an answer to them. Today as we worship Jesus, today as we gaze upon him, today as we call upon him, he is able, he is able, he is able to speak. He is able to, to speak words of tenderness and compassion and wisdom into our lives. If there is a blessing about coronavirus. It is the the extra time that you and I will have in the comfort of our own homes. May we not waste it on Netflix. May we not be men and women who spend our days constantly scrolling Facebook for the latest rumor. Oh, Scott, I've heard Iron Brew solves coronavirus. I've heard if you take a Brillo pad and rub it around your face, you'll be all right. Nonsense. May we be men and women these days of extra time and isolation who seek Christ and who cry unto him with our questions and our worries and our fear. He's the one with the white hair like wool, as white as snow upon his magnificent head with eyes like a flame of fire, says John. Eyes of purity. Eyes that purify us. Eyes that know everything. He is all knowing he is omniscient. This is our Christ. This is our Christ. Here is the one today who we look to. The one who we preach. Even as we preach in strange and extraordinary, unprecedented, dare I say it, circumstances. Here is Jesus. With feet like burnished bronze. Refined and affirmed. And the great Matthew Henry puts it this way about these feet. Jesus is strong and steadfast. He is supporting his own interest. He is subduing his enemies and he is treading them to power. Treading them to powder, I should say. Here is Jesus. The one who can be trusted. And the one today who walks among The lampstand. His voice is one with authority. It is like, says John, the the roar of many waters. This Jesus who is gathering his church and defending his bride and subduing his enemies and treading them into powder. Well, this is the one who speaks with absolute authority. What Jesus says, go. When he speaks, he should be listened to. His voice is one that causes John to fall before him. And today his voice is the one that speaks to us and tells us, do not be afraid. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. And this voice comes from his mouth, which we are told holds a a sharp, two-edged sword. A double-edged sword of, of Christ, which is able to teach and it's also able to judge. Here is Jesus. In the midst of corona, here is Jesus. With a face that shines like the sun. A face of pure brilliance. A face that is too much for us. Man, he's a somebody that that we're here if the sun is at the right angle, just pouring in through that window. I see your wee faces. They can hardly look up this way. The sun beats us every time. When we're driving and the sun's shining, we reach for the sunglasses. But here we see Christ, whose face shines with that pure brilliance of the sun. And John sees him in verse 17. And John falls at Christ's feet as though he were dead. John has got only this response. What else can he do when he, he sees Christ in this manner? My brothers and sisters, these are days where all our certainty, all our knowledge, all our power, it has all been stripped away from us. Suddenly you and me, were were in our houses and we're counting every custard cream and we're wishing we'd bought more baked beans, and we're raging about those clumpets and ball taking all the toilet roll, we suddenly realize that we are nothing. It's hard to take. Every one of us likes to think we are the big fella, the big girl, and the big picture. We've got all the answers. We know what tomorrow going to bring. We're going to be all right because we're in control. And coronavirus comes along and it hits us in the face and it says, you're not in control. You never have been and, and you never will be. How do we respond? By falling before Jesus. That's exactly, exactly where John goes. is Derek Thomas who writes there are many appropriate ways of responding to Christ but if the fear of God is not one of them we have never fully responded to him how do we respond to coronavirus if the fear of God a fear that knows him as a father a fear that knows his holiness that knows his power that knows his majesty a fear that recognizes that he and he alone is the king of kings and the lord of lords The fear of God is one that gazes upon him and realizes his brilliance and realizes how small we are. And the only response that we have to it is that we fall before him as though we were dead. There's our response. In this day of trouble and in the next and in the one day, after that, it is, as the apostle writes in Hebrews twelve twenty eight to 29 Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Here's our God. He is good. He is magnificent. He is not like the friendly little idol that we have turned him into, that we, we rub his head and we get three wishes and, and we go on about our life. John turns. He doesn't see a good luck charm. He doesn't see his guardian angel. He sees Christ. The crucified, risen, ascended, exalted Christ and his only response is to fall before him. I don't know what you're doing when it comes to this virus. And I'm not sure about your concerns and your worry. But as we are confined to barracks in these days, as you and me can't go to the places we want or do the things we want and And our days are filled with worry and watching the news more than we could ever possibly want to watch the news. How will we respond? I pray for myself and for you that our days will be filled often falling before Christ, recognizing his glory. Recognizing his power and recognizing that he still is even in the midst of the storm the king of kings and the lord of lords but this passage gets even better you could spend all day and all night considering this wonderful image of the exalted Christ that John is blessed to see and And he explains to us in word form, you could spend all day pondering what it reveals to us about Jesus, but it gets even better because as John falls at Christ's feet as though dead, Jesus reaches out his hand and lays it on John and says to him, fear not. Fear not. What a wonderful grace-filled response. Fear not, says Jesus. I would love to be able to take those two words and apply them to my life this week. But unfortunately, this has been a week of fear. You read the stuff, you listen to the stuff, you get the text. You're sent the, the little memes on WhatsApp. Somebody says, oh, it'll be all over June." Someone immediately follows and says, no, no, it's probably going to be at least 18 months. Somebody says, well, there's there's good news in China. Things are improving in China. Someone else says, well, yeah, in a small way, but it's coming back. There's another screen of it. It's, it's worse this time. I'm not embarrassed today to say that I'm afraid. It's hard for me to say it, but I'm not embarrassed to say it. I have built an image of myself that is a husband and a father a Presbyterian minister. And in these days, I, I realize that I'm a little boy who doesn't have the answer. And who doesn't know what tomorrow's going to bring, And who can't do a single thing about any of it. And yet as I realize my weakness, and as I realize that the image I've built of myself is is made out of straw that the wind blows away once a day of trouble comes, where is my Savior? He is exalted. He is my great high priest who intercedes for me, for you, Eden Grove. What words does he speak to us today on the 22nd of March 2020 in the midst of coronavirus? Is that one word or two? COVID-19, that's two. What does Jesus say to us? Fear not. My brothers and sisters, may we take him at his word. See, the Lord reveals himself here as... The one who is in perfect control. Jesus says that he is the first and the last and the living one. The one who died and behold is alive forevermore. He is the one who has the keys of, of death and hell. This is the majestic one. The, the one who, who reaches out and touches frail and feeble and fearful men and women. And he touches us with grace. Grace and and, and mercy to to those of us, you and I, who do, don't deserve any of that. Today we have heard the, the first and the last speaking, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who has defeated death and the one who controls death and hell. If we are to fall in what we call the coronavirus, if we do not end, see the end of this pandemic, if we have faith in Christ, then we know as surely as we are standing here today, then we know that we go to glory. There's the Christian's hope. And I promise you, my brothers and sisters, I don't want to die just yet. I have much to live for. I have many sermons that I want to preach. I have many things that I want to do. Not least I want to walk every one of my wee girls up an aisle someday. And I want to threaten the boy that's taking their hand with my shotgun if he ever steps out of line. I long for those things. But if I never see a single one of them, if I never preach another sermon, then I know if I die I go to be with Jesus and that is better by far. Christ Jesus holds the keys to death and hell. He holds the power and he is in control over coronavirus or whatever tribulation comes our way. Fear not. This is the Jesus who is revealed to us in Revelation 1 and this is the Jesus who is walking among the seven lampstands And as Jesus tells us here in his word, he says, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, verse 20, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Here we see an image of Christ, in and among his people, the church. Here we see an image of Christ holding tightly to the leaders of the church. There's discussion and debate over the meaning of the the angels of the seven churches. I take it to mean the messengers of the seven churches. Those who, who lead and preach and teach. Isn't that such a comfort to those of us who have to get up and open our mouths in days like this? Christ holds us in his hand more than that he reaches out in the middle of his church in the middle of his bride he reaches out and reminds us that he is for him my brothers and sisters today jesus is not self-isolating from his bride today jesus is among us here in this empty church and in your wee house your garden, as you're listening to this in your headphones, as you're walking the dog hearing my voice, as you're sitting on your sofa, as you're eating your breakfast and slurping your cup of tea, where is your Savior? Where is your Lord? He's not in a bunker. He's not in a a, a mountain retreat, keeping himself pure and clean away from all you dirty sinners. He is in the middle of his bride, the church. He is for his bride, the church. And today, the fearful, hurting, Trepidatious hearts like us, he reaches out and he says, Fear not. Fear not. Paul writes in Romans 8 I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My brothers and sisters, this is true today. And it hasn't changed one jot because of the coronavirus. Christ is for us. Christ is for us. Fear not. Friends, I know it's easy to say things, it's easy to preach things. And I know even though I've preached it with hopefully passion and fire in my belly, I I know that it's still going to be difficult. Fear not. But if Christ is for us, church of Christ, who can be against them? Fear not. And I finish today by simply urging you if you do not yet know Jesus, what does coronavirus say to you? Well, I think it has hopefully shaken you from your slumber. I hope today it has caused you to ask questions that you have never asked before. But today, my friend, if you somehow have heard this but have never called upon Jesus, today, somehow, if you're listening to my voice but have never considered Christ, never thought the gospel was anything for your attention, then today I urge you to believe in Christ and receive him as your Savior and to join with the bride of Christ who face the days of tribulation with confidence in their tongues. As they say, fear not. amen. And may this have been a word of encouragement for the scattered church. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be ours now and forevermore. Amen.